When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, bringing you week 10. Is it really week 10 of the college football season or is it week nine? It's week 10. You guys are, ah. you, you guys are almost put out of your misery. You're, you're close. I'm never put out of my misery when football season is not going on. I will be miserable and watch college football before I'd rather be miserable and not. How was your weekend? What did you do this weekend? I hung out with you. <laughs> It was a fun weekend. It was. It was a good weekend. Friday night, um, Saturday, Sunday, we finally took a break, but it was a good weekend. Yes, it was a good weekend. Friday night, you came to my trunk or treat, which was fun um, and successful. So I was super excited about that. And then Saturday, we went over to your house, which there was a point in time where we all looked at each other and we were like, we are so outnumbered because between the two of us, uh, there are seven children who are, you know, it's a just lot of children. And then Eric and I have to take care of you guys everywhere. too. So like it just yeah, you know, it yeah. just is really tough. But yeah. So it, prayers it was up. fun though. And our, our kids are cute together. And so I uh, definitely enjoy them. That Watching them was a little bit more fun than watching our game. But what are you going to do? So let's do this first. Let's give a shout out first. We'll talk about um, both games. Talk a little recruiting because – you were one to bring some recruiting up last week, sure. so we follow up on it. Um, we can do that. Because we certainly would have if things went the other way. So we want to make sure that we do that. Um, and then we'll talk about this weekend's games and the last uh, – what will it be? Last uh, little third of the season here with uh, four games to go for both teams. Before we do that, I'll give an early shout-out today to Greg Brunt and Brunt Insurance, 954 954- Five eight nine two two zero four. You can also hit them up at bruntinsurance.com. But we would certainly recommend that you give Greg a call, talk some college football with him. Um, great guy, huge Gator fan. Nine five four five eight nine two two zero four. If you need any kind of insurance, home, auto, car, um, RV, boat, moped, scooter, bicycle, whatever you got, whatever has wheels and needs to be insured. From Tallahassee to the Keys, Greg will get you taken care of. Again, bruntinsurance.com or 954-589-2204. Appreciate Greg and his support. Um, what do you want to start with? Uh, I don't, Dealer's I choice don't here. Dealer's choice. All right, let's start recruiting um, since that happened chronologically. Okay, we'll go with um, that. <clears throat> we'll go latest to, to newest. So, Cormani McLean picked Miami on Thursday night. Um, 
He had been crystal balled to Florida. He, I think the staff thought they were getting him. Any beat writers that I've talked to or recruiting experts thought that he was coming to Florida. His own coaching staff thought he was uh coming to Florida. And really the consensus was that he was picking between Florida and Alabama, um, that Miami was had kind of distanced himself from there. So I think he kind of, uh, you know, surprised everybody when he picked Miami. And, you know, if you want to go and play in front of 11,000 fans and, you know, barely make a bowl game or not, I, I don't really know what to say about that. I don't know that I think it's the best life choice, but here we are. Seemed like NIL probably played a factor yeah, there. I think so. Um, but, and you know, these these kids know kind of what they're saying. It was interesting to hear his comments afterward. He was asked when he kind of locked in mm-hmm. with Miami. And he said he had been locked in for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that was just kind of a tactic to um, – there, there's a couple of, of thoughts, right? Like, was mm-hmm. it was it maybe a tactic to to lead some other teams on? Um, was it which just is something of- that happens in recruiting, right? There's a lot of times that teams ask players to uh, keep their commitment quiet, or uh, you know that they're not going to kind of go public with the love. So, could that have happened? Absolutely. There's also times where. Um, recruiting experts and coaches and just a lot of fans and everything like try to read too deeply into the tea leaves sure, and just get it sure. wrong. Sure. Like just, oh, he changed know, hey, his we, picture he, and it had a blue background. Yeah, so that must be said, a sign or whatever. He said X, Y, Z, he did this, he did that. And um, all the it's while, you know, he the, definitely played this one closer, close to the vest because uh, you know, I think that, are there times people are crystal balled wrong? Absolutely. Are there, I mean, this was the most caught off guard that um, any of the people that I talk to on a regular basis that are pretty heavily involved in recruiting have been in a while. So either he's not being truthful about having been dialed in with them for the last couple of months, or he played it really close to the vest. And either one of those things is fine. Like that's, that's his prerogative. This is his future. And I think that that's a really important thing to remember about recruits. I mean, we can sit here and I can joke about like, you're going to go play in front of 11,000 fans, not the life choice I would have made, but in reality it's his life choice. Right. And so these are, these are high school kids that are deciding the biggest decision that they've ever made up to that point in their life. And it will impact not just the next three or four, but potentially the next 40, 50 years of their lives. I, you know, it's a huge decision and I, uh, you know, everybody gets to make whatever one they do, they want to. I don't love how I feel like NIL plays a role um, so heavily in this. I think that it's good to make what you're worth. Um, I think that that's different, though, than paying high school kids before they've performed. And I think that that's really what NIL has turned into more so than rewarding yeah. those once they um, have proven themselves on the field, the, the college field. I did hear a rumor on this uh, could this is pure rumor, but that it something like six million dollars uh, over guaranteed six mil for three years or something was a number that was thrown out by Miami and that Florida and and Alabama actually both were like, <laughs> um, and I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but it also does kind of concern me for people committing to Miami when it seems like pretty much all their nil money comes from one place. Um, that's a that seems like a risky proposition in my mind too, because if 
the majority of money is coming from one person if that person decides they don't love the direction of the program or they don't like the coach anymore or whatever else that money could dry up and that seems risky just on its own to me so big picture um florida still has a pretty good class going they have a great they have Um, this is still probably the best db class that florida's ever signed so overall Um, class right now sits at number nine mm -hmm. which ironically was mullen's highest class too um florida florida has time right signing days in six weeks um so they can certainly move up but so can other teams right like other teams like they won't be the only ones that sign people people at the end here sure so um i think that the McLean commitment could have propelled Florida toward a, a top five class. In fact, mm-hmm. would have put them at like five or six. Yeah. Committed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can land other big fish that can get mm-hmm. them up into that range. Sure. Because if they finish around eight, nine, 10, right. We, we just said Mullen's best class ever was nine. Mm-hmm. You, you fired Mullen for recruiting. And then if you finish the same, you, Right. Need to improve. Where did you? Right. For sure. Yeah. And so now if he can get into that six, even really seven range, like, you know, one more or less, I feel like is it's tough to make a huge deal about. Also, I will say this just from class ratings in general, I don't think I, I do think the coaches care about what their class rating is from the perspective of sometimes like it's tied into the bonuses, it's tied mm-hmm. into different reward at at the same time though like as fans we care more about oh absolutely oh you know i i think coaches are recruiting for need you know like you might have a class where you need to take more offensive linemen and you Mm -hmm. might have a class where you can take more wide receivers and wide receivers are just naturally going to be so it's like uh you know so we we trip out over oh this class is four and this one was six and that's really not a huge difference. Like one and nine are big differences, right? So, like, so I, yeah, but I, I mean, but I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Napier has done a good job of recruiting. He's got a good class, a very yeah. above average class. Um, but if it doesn't improve from here and it just finishes in that eight to 11 range, that's essentially what Mullen did every single year, right? Like then, yeah. and you, you haven't, you've taken a, I mean, I don't think this is me bad mouthing him terribly. And I don't think you would disagree with that this you've taken a step back and you're on the field coaching you have and you I, I think. basically stayed the same in recruiting to me that's a problem not year one there's plenty of time yeah i mean i don't but, i i i mean i guess it i mean it's his bump class right because it's the second class he'll sign but he had so little time to kind of repair what was going on last year with recruiting which he did he did uh he came in and did some work um recruiting wise. And I, I think that this is going in, in his recruiting is trending really in a strong direction. I think it hurts to lose Cormani McLean, right? Like that is not something that we saw coming. It would Especially have it really felt like it was in the bag. It like felt like it, it was felt in the like bag. It was and, and all like I knew general... you were going to, I knew you were going to get on here today and gloat about that and not talk as much about the Georgia game. So I was already like, I had to spend an entire like three days, like getting my spin ready. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought you guys were getting him too. Like, yeah, I, was I like, mean, okay, that's well, it. This I'm going to tell really Allie, like, do, let's focus on, um, let's focus on the results on the field. Let's this kid hasn't signed yet. Like I had it all lined up. Sure. 
Well, yeah, and I, and honestly, that. that's my piece of advice for recruiting always. And I listen, I think recruiting is fun. I covered it for a lot of years. But until these guys perform on the field, it it shouldn't really mean as much as it means to us fans. Um, and I do think when you were talking about uh, recruiting for need, I honestly think that was part of Urban Meyer's demise is that Urban Meyer actually cared about winning a recruiting national title. That was something that like he talked to staffers about that was well known within the football building. He cared about his class rankings. As a result, I think he took a lot of really highly rated pieces that didn't necessarily fit into the puzzle to sign those top classes. And I think towards the end of his tenure at UF, you kind of saw that. And I think that was part of the problem. And I think that, um, you know, Will Muschamp really came in to a lot of uh, mismatched pieces. Like did, did, were the recruiting classes before him highly ranked? They were, but I don't know that that means that they fit together in any way that made sense at all. Um, so I do, I do think that that's a factor as well, right? You got to get the pieces in the puzzle that fit your system, even if they're not as highly uh, rated. I do think that recruiting is trending in the right direction. I like what Napier's doing. I think next year will be even better. I think if he holds this class together with the record that Florida's probably going to end up with, that's impressive. And you and I have talked about that. Like you, you know, you talked a couple of weeks ago about how you thought he, they would start losing commits soon. And so far that isn't happening. Um, there are a couple of big names still out there that Florida is interested in. So they could go up. I, if I had to guess, I guess they finish seven or eight. It would be it, where I realistically think Florida will end up. I think that that would be great for where he is. I think the next year, the bar's higher right? Year three, you got to sign a top five class or you're not competing for national championships more than likely, you know, in, in years four and five for him. Yeah, so what's interesting is, you know, George has got the number two class right mm -hmm. now and, and has a shot to, to finish number one sure. um, with Alabama. And so, you know, I know what's trendy on, on Twitter or social media or whatever is to just say like, well, he's out recruiting Florida state and the, 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 the standard is not to out recruit Florida state. Right? No, like, the standard there, is there's no is gap the top five class. Right. There's no gap to close with Florida state. I mean, both teams have relatively Correct. the same amount of talent on them. Um, Was that the case are, though? If you looked at the last four years, average class, do they have about the same? I'm, I'm truly asking not. Trolling. Yeah. I think Florida's around 12 and Florida state's around 17. I don't think that 12 and 17 are that close though. In the if scheme of 130 that, teams, you're talking about a I mean, in a of, scheme of 130 teams, but you're just telling me that, uh, you know, eight yeah, and nine and is acceptable. I think, and, yeah, I, mean, I think 12 and 17 are pretty close in all of college football. Like in if the all of 12, college football, but I don't know. In terms team, of – If the number 12 team in college football right now took on the number 17 team, it, it'd be like a three or four-point spread. Like we're, I don't think we're talking about anything that's too crazy there. But yet it's crazy that – uh, an eight is unacceptable, but six or five would be fine. So I didn't say eight was unacceptable. I just said it's basically the same thing Mullen was doing. Mm -hmm. So you guys are the ones that said eight was unacceptable when Mullen was doing it year after year. I think eight would be fine for Napier, especially if they go six and six. Yeah. I think a top eight class at going six and six is really impressive. Yeah. I don't think that's unacceptable. I think that Florida fans have said that top eight classes okay. are unacceptable. My coach hasn't gotten in the top eight ever. So yeah, I'd take top eight right now without a doubt. But I, but I think your Florida and Florida State are 
as programs right now, somewhat similar. Florida State's going to finish with a better record, right? I mean, so like, you know, you know, if you want to say Florida has a little bit more talent and is doing less with it, I mean, whichever way you want to take that yeah. is fine. But again, Florida State's not a good team. Hasn't made a, hasn't won a bowl in five years. Right. The, the standard is to get back to where Georgia's at. And if you have a top seven or eight class this year and Georgia finishes one or two, I don't, I don't yeah. think you've closed the gap at all. So I, I think that I think, and so I think to close the gap with Georgia, you've got to recruit like Georgia. Yeah. Even if Florida went, if Florida had a top, had the number five class for the next three years, I don't even know if that would close the gap if Georgia's finishing one and two every single so, year. You know, now, I, I understand what you're saying on paper, but I got to tell you, you know, when we watched that game together, and listen, Florida's not good, right? Like, I've not sat here and said that Florida is good for a lot of weeks, but I also don't really feel like the gap is that is that insurmountable or is that huge? I honestly walked away thinking Tennessee's going to beat Georgia, and Georgia is not. Uh, Georgia's not this powerhouse that like we picture them being, and it could be that they didn't have a great day. Right. And I, I mean, I know they, they took care of a bad Florida team handily. I just was, didn't leave overly impressed by what I saw on the field from Georgia. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me think that like not that many pieces of puzzle away from it being a much more competitive game yeah i don't i don't know about that i mean you know i, I think that you'll you know you can kind of I and mean, we can kind of transition this right into the into the talk yeah. about the game but i think that for about five or six minutes florida looks like they could compete but for the rest the of the third game, quarter basically yeah, I, I mean a part of it you know a part of the third quarter um georgia had two turnovers and florida scored Georgia had three quick. turnovers, I believe. They did have three turnovers total. Yeah. yeah. They had a turnover in the in the first half. But yeah. they had two turnovers to start the second half, and Florida scored on both of those. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, the game was never in doubt or in question. No, I don't think Georgia, it was in Georgia, doubt. That's not what Georgia I'm saying. Georgia won the game by yeah. three scores and lost the turnover battle three to nothing. So I, I, I do think that, like, self-inflicted Georgia wounds. Otherwise that's a five score game. Otherwise it's like, I don't know. 48. I just was like, man, eh, Stetson Bennett's not that great. Man, eh, his wide receivers keep dropping balls. Eh. I mean, I just, when Anthony Richardson played the game that he's capable of being, they had no problem moving the ball on Georgia. I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not sitting here telling you that that game was close or that one or two bounces going a different way that Florida's beating Georgia. I'm just telling you that I walked away less impressed with Georgia than I was going into the game. Yeah. I, I think if Georgia loses a turnover battle, three to nothing against most teams it you know, they're going to play closer than they should. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that they could go up against an SEC opponent, but also who has, the, who has, I the mean, 12th, we watched that together. Some the, of those turnovers, those were not fluky. I mean, Florida, uh, Amari, I thought Bennett's throw, I thought the interception was terrible. Like he just wasn't even close. I mean, yeah, but Armani, right Armani, Bernie, Bernie stripping. The, strip. the, I mean, that was a great strip. That was, was a great a, strip. That was not a just random ball bounce kind of thing. Yeah. It, it I mean, that was. A I good thought that play. was a good strip. Yeah, I didn't have a. I, and then the first turnover of the game, I don't. I don't remember what that one was. I don't I remember uh, in the first half. But I mean, Florida, seven went. children running around us. But yeah, I mean, Georgia didn't play a very good game. Lost the turnover battle three to nothing, and then still yeah. won by twenty two. So yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I you know, I guess it's it's how you look at it. If they yeah. would have played a good game, and that score was probably what fifty six to ten. You know, you take yeah. the two two turnovers away and you yeah. know, and and let Georgia score off of them. So I don't I know. Mean, I, I think that seventeen unanswered points is not nothing, right? And ter- turnovers, whatever, uh, seventeen yeah. unanswered points is, uh, you know, that is something. And then Georgia has struggled, um, you know, with some turnovers this season. And I, I just, I just walked away. Listen, it doesn't change the outcome of the game. It doesn't change anything. I just, I won't be surprised if Tennessee beats Georgia this upcoming weekend. I won't be surprised if, you know, let's say they somehow make it to the SEC championship game. Let's say they beat Tennessee. Won't be surprised if Alabama takes care of, uh, business against them I just I I was not as impressed with them as I was for the Tennessee team that we played or you know whatever some of the other teams that Florida has seen but you know so it, you were it, more impressed by the team that beat you by five as opposed to the team that yes, beat you by yes because I think Florida played a much better game against Tennessee and Tennessee was still better yeah Florida I didn't think play Florida, a good game against Georgia yeah I think Georgia played I mean but don't you think Georgia played a pretty bad game I, I mean, honestly, I I guess. I mean, I don't know. There was just nothing that was just like, oh, man, that yeah. is – it I doesn't thought, matter what we did. They were – we were not stopping that, whereas I felt I like there Georgia, was stuff like that in the Tennessee game. Yeah, I thought Georgia just absolutely moved the ball at will. Like, I, I thought, like, Georgia just – and their offense hasn't even been spectacular, yeah. but drives of 66 yards, 80 yards, 83 yards, 54 yards. I mean, we knew they were going to move yards, the ball at will, right? Everybody's moved the I ball at will. I don't know that that's a – I don't know that that is an indicator of yeah. a great team then, when you play Florida. I almost think your defense is a better indicator um, when you play Florida. But regardless, to I test me, Tennessee is better. We'll find out this weekend because they play like, each other. So how um, many – so what? So you know, not super impressed with Georgia right now. Um, what does if Georgia continues to recruit at a one-two-three level? Yeah. How? So how I Florida, think. How is Florida able to close the gap if they don't out-recruit them? I mean, Florida I, has I think to. Do you think? Do you think Napier is a better? This is a good follow-up to that. Do you think Napier is a better game day coach than Smart? I do. I don't think Kirby yeah. Smart is a great the, game day coach. I, I honestly. Let me preface this. I have not been overly impressed with Napier's game day I don't even have him. I think I, looking back at film from previous teams, I have been in, impre- more impressed with Napier as a game day coach. I think. But at, but at Florida. His potential. But at Florida, okay, at Florida, no. He hasn't been yeah. better than okay. Kirby Smart. Yeah, no, he has not been. But I don't think that Kirby Smart is that great of a game day coach. I think that Kirby Smart is a brilliant recruiter. So I do think that there is a scenario where you've got a recruiter at Florida who's recruiting, let's say, almost as good as Kirby Smart. Let's say in the five to seven range. I think a good game day coach still beats uh, Georgia and Kirby Smart once they've had some of those five to seven classes. So do I think they have to beat Georgia recruiting wise to be able to beat them on the field? No, I don't think that. I Dan Mullen beat them with better, with with less recruiting two years ago. I don't. I don't think that that you have to sign one and two classes. Will it help? Sure as heck. But if you can sign in the five to seven range and you can be a good game day coach, you can beat Kirby Smart. I haven't seen Napier be a good game day coach yet at Florida. And yeah, I, I, think I mean, coaching I've not been overly coaching, coaching at Louisiana is very different, especially sure. with the amount of, like, if you look at what his teams, which again, 
the teams that he had there were what Georgia is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he's not an X's and O's guy. He's a recruiter. The teams he had at Louisiana are what Kirby's teams are to Florida and the rest Florida. of the SEC right now. So, well, I mean, it kind I, of I think then he was, right? And I do – I would love if Napier hired an offensive coordinator. I don't know if that will happen. I, You know, it is very common for offensive-minded head coaches to call their own plays. So, it's not like there's something, you know, out of the ordinary going on at Florida. But I don't 100% love – the, uh, the play calling that's been going on. I think it's w- it's definitely worth giving him more of an opportunity with more of his pieces in place, but I wouldn't cry if he tells us in the off season that he's hiring an offensive coordinator, right? That would we not. Make, we also make a, we also make a lot about Kirby's like um, game day coaching. And I think what we've done is, you know, when Mullen was there, we would put Mullen up against Jimbo, two guys that called offenses. Now we put Kirby up against mm-hmm. Mullen or now, I don't know how long the guys stick around, but Kirby's sure. done a really good job of his of his coordinators, right? Like having Rush Kemp and yeah. Munkin. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think you – I mean, Kirby's very much CEOing that thing sure. and doing sure. it well. I mean, not with, unlike with Saban, really, right? Like, yeah, that's... with really – and Sweeney and most of the guys that are pretty successful right now. Like, sure. look at Jimbo's problems. He won't give up the offensive stuff. And mm-hmm. so – to me, that's another thing. Yeah, right? I mean, that's a sign of a great head coach, right? Kirby I think doesn't he doesn't have a good to be a game CEO. day coach because he's got coordinators that are absolutely. I get it, but I over get, the top but, good. But I, I'm not overly impressed with the play calling that happens during the game of Georgia. So when you say game day coach, I mean that can fall on whoever's head you're talking about. I don't think that Georgia is awesome at making adjustments mid-game. I don't think that they come out of the locker room. You saw how they came out of the locker room against Florida in the third quarter. I don't think that they make the adjustments like some of the greats do, like Saban generally does when they come out of the locker room at halftime, when Urban Meyer used to do. Did you think they adjusted, do you done. think they adjusted well when Florida cut it to one score? Yeah, I mean, but I also think Florida shot themselves in the foot a lot. They're a bad team. They shouldn't have been this close. I don't think they should have had to adjust to come back from down by 17 but uh you know they they did what they needed to do right and they won the game and they won the game handily i'm just saying overall i'm less impressed with kirby than some of the other ones therefore i do think you maybe don't have to do quite as much in recruiting that you think you are i don't think you have to beat them i just think you kind of have to join them in the top echelon yeah i think that recruiting again you know going over the top with recruiting rankings as far as like you know i mean you could recruit one through three and be pretty similar sure i do think like one and eight are pretty different classes and one and seven are are fairly different classes like i don't know if you're closing the gap by consistently doing that right yeah. i think i mean i think, I think there's I think, other I think, factors at play there but i, I would say i think you general, need to get good statement you, you truly do need to get into the top five yeah i i, I mean i think that that's a fair you know, a fair assessment. And, and you can get an upside. Like you just said, Mullen did it one year with three guys that were basically first rounders with Trask and Tony and Pitts. Like you can, you can catch people. Like that's not to say. I don't think Florida, they caught people. I think they beat Georgia handily. That was no, not I'm a, saying. Like I'm saying you can, you, you can catch up, you can catch them. Okay. All right. Year. I thought you were saying no, you can like, catch them I'm like on an off day. I'm not saying of thing, Florida, which is, that's not what happened. No, no. I, but a year. Like, I think Florida, everything kind of aligned really well for Florida that year to be a really good team. Like, Florida I don't know. They had you know. a good team. They had, they, yeah, they absolutely. had some good talent. But Mullen they hadn't recruited, as, for a lot of but they hadn't recruited as well as Georgia. 
No, they had. So they no. did catch them that year, mm-hmm. less talented on paper, but they sure. were better than them. They were just yeah. absolutely better. Yes. And that's going to, if, if you recruit way less than your rival, you're, that's exactly what it's going to be. You're going to win one of every four. Yeah. Like more talented teams just win. I mean, what, what do you always say? It's about the Jimmys and Joes, right? Mm-hmm. More, less talented teams are going to win less, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, Texas A&M this weekend, and then we'll move to Florida State. We'll do some picks and get out of here. But Texas A&M this weekend, um, they look like they may have figured something out with a true right. freshman quarterback. Um, yeah. Jimbo does a really good job of just beating UF, um, no matter what the uh, what the situation is. Um do you have any hope for this game? Like, yeah, I mean, all I honestly, think, like I know uh, there's like a chance. But. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Florida should beat Texas A&M. Does that mean that they do? No, but I think that I think that Florida should should beat Texas win. A&M. Um, I do. I think that I think that they should win. I think uh, Texas A&M is about a three and a half point favorite, which is basically home field advantage, right? Um, so I I think that this game is a push. I think uh, it could definitely go either way, but I think that Florida should beat them. They both had a fair share of struggles on the field. I don't know what's been going on in Texas A&M's locker room, but they've had some dismissals. They've had some crazy things going on. Um, But like you said, they seem to figure it out a little bit last week, which I feel like always happens. Um, This is only Florida's second like true road test of the year. So you'll see how that, you know, kind of factors in as well. But I I think that Florida has the ability to beat Texas A&M. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think they lose. I think they lose bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. You think they I lose think bad? Jo- I think that you guys are kind of unlucky that you're playing. So Florida's defense, I, I think just the matchup is not good. Texas okay. A&M's defense has been really good this year. And so I do think that they'll slow down Florida's offense. Um, and Florida's defense is literally second worst in the SEC. Like, yeah, just awful, right? Texas um, A&M gave up uh, 390 yards rushing to Ole Miss last week. Florida has a stable of running backs. If you had to pick one position that Florida is the most comfortable with, well, it shoot, would they got be one play. Back. They got one that touches the ball every play. So, I mean, I get it. But, um, yeah, I just – I think that I think that AM will outscore them. I, I just think that Florida's defense is just so bad. AM getting the young kid in. Uh Wegman, Wegman, I don't know how to say uh, it. Wegman, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he looked pretty good once he got in. 338 yards. Defense would make, to 44. Yeah. Florida's defense would make Emerson look good at quarterback. Um, no, no shots at her. But uh yeah, I, I do think that AM probably so, gets the win this weekend. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Florida's defense. Florida's defense is very, very boomer bust, right? Yeah, so if they can sure. kind of, you know, if they can create some turnovers, I think Jimbo will call it very conservatively and yeah. let see that's the thing. So uh, you know, no no bones about it. Like Georgia's just that much better of a team that I don't yeah. think Kirby had to be conservative with it i do think jimbo sure. will be conservative yeah and try and let ar and the florida team make the mistakes on Beat the road themselves. and i don't yeah, kirby knew that he could lose a turnover battle by three and still win the game by three touchdowns right jimbo yeah. knows that he can't do that right if his freshman goes out there and makes mistakes and turns the ball over to florida they'll lose and so i do think that again as much as jimbo's been a, a an issue this year 
I think there's something about playing Florida. I do think he's a much better game day coach than Napier is right now. And so we'll see kind of how he plays it. But if I'm Jimbo, I play very conservatively. Let Florida be the one to make mistakes. Um, and, and I think that Florida's defense ultimately is what cost them the game here. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think that AM wins by like 10 or so. You know, I don't I don't think that Texas AM's defense has been as good as you are saying that they have been. I think obviously uh their offense figured out something last week, but it didn't even really matter because their defense wasn't good enough and Old Miss ended up beating them. I think they're I was just trying to pull up where they ranked uh uh, so, I mean, and even, I mean, I guess they figured it out. So these numbers are going to change, but they're 14th in the SEC in scoring. They're averaging 23 points a game. They're 12th in rushing. They're 12th in passing offense. They're 11th in total offense, um, which honestly is pretty comparable with where Florida's defense is. Florida is 11th in scoring defense. They're averaging 29 points, giving up 29 points a game, 12th in rushing defense, 12th in pass efficiency D, and 12th in total defense. So they are their defensive numbers are incredibly similar to Texas A&N's offensive numbers. Um, so looking at, looking, at defense, looking at defense for defense, Texas A&M has the 24th best defense as far as opponent adjusted, like Mm -hmm. FPI Florida's is 86. So just defense for defense, right? Like Florida's is pretty terrible. And that's, I just think that that's the weakest unit on the field. When you look at the offense for both teams, um, they are closer than that. Florida's in the thirties, A&M's, um, in the 40, I just don't – I think that Florida's defense is the weakest unit on the field, and I think that's why they lose. And that's why they've lost every game that they've, you know, gone yeah, against. Yeah, I mean, you know? well, like, most, most, most losses are definitely on the defense. Um, you know, and Florida also uh, is going to be without Britton Cox, which we haven't talked about yet on this episode, but he was dismissed from the team on Monday. Um, Napier said in his press com- conference a culmination – um, of of things, decisions, or, or happenings in the locker room or whatever. I've ho- heard a couple different conflicting stories. Not going to say them because I don't know that to be fact. But I kind of think this is addition by subtraction. But it may make a difference on Saturday, right? I think it's um, in the long run, it's the right choice for the team. I think that good coaches and CEOs make tough decisions, even if it's not at ideal timing for the long-term betterment of the team, of the organization. But it might have an impact Saturday because there's not a whole lot of time to get somebody ready to take Brenton Cox reps in six days. So I will be interested to see how that plays a factor. And, you know, we've talked about him on this show a lot. I have not been a fan this season. I actually wasn't a fan last year either. I think he has a really high ceiling. And I think that every, you know, few plays, he makes a good play. I think he takes three or four plays off in between those good plays. And so I don't know, you know, the huge long, I I don't know what positives he really brought because I think that the taking plays off kind of balance out with the big plays that you made. Um, I didn't love that he had to, that he got to wear number one either. I think we've gotten into a situation where that gets given out like candy and, you know, any of us like old people here, know what it means to wear that jersey of number one and so didn't love that it was uh handed out so easily but i do think that that could be another negative against the gators on saturday yeah led the team in tackles for losses was second in sacks um 
at I mean, in Florida's the US, had like almost no sacks this year, so I don't know that, how much that's saying. But in the UF FSU game last year, he had four sacks and five yeah. tackles for losses. So he yeah. was definitely a. We're definitely glad to see him go. <laughs> at least uh, because of that matchup. Yeah, um, I mean, I it's interesting, and I, you know, I tip my hat to Napier for making that decision. Like I said, I don't know exactly what went on, but it's not an easy decision to dismiss someone who. Um, has the same kind of name recognition, has has been the impact player, which, I mean, Florida's defense has been terrible, right? But he's been one of the better players on a terrible defense this year. And I think you can say the same thing about last year, too. So I do, I, I not every coach would make that decision. And I do think that it's important, especially for new coaches, to, you know, kind of lay the hammer down and say what's acceptable or not acceptable in your locker room. And with whatever he did wasn't acceptable, then this is the right call for the health of your locker room next year and the year after and down the line, but it could hurt us in the short term. Probably. Yeah. I think um, I actually listened to a podcast and we'll talk about FSU and do some picks and get out of here. But I listened to a podcast this week that was talking about how, when Norvell got here, you can either like, and there's, you know, I'm not blaming Napier or saying he should have done this sooner, but Norvell was, you know, the COVID year was definitely a curse in sure. recruiting, couldn't bring yeah. guys in, but it was kind of a blessing in how quickly it was able to allow him to gut the roster. Yeah. Um, and instead of this slow bleed where you you have a few guys transfer out when Napier gets the job, and then you have a few guys transfer out after the spring, right. and then you have a few guys transfer out after year one, and then Norvell right. literally just went like, whoosh, whoosh, you're out, like, boom, right. all of them gone. And it cost us, right? We won three right. games in 2020. And then we only right. won five the year after. And so you had to like kind of fight through that and grow back through that. But right now, like the culture of the locker room, where the locker room's head is, the fact that they, yeah. as bad as they've been the last couple of years, Florida State absolutely fights. They never quit. They never give up. There yeah. are no like, there's no toxicity. There's none of this bull crap that you're kind of dealing with that sure. you would have if some of that slow bleed had been allowed to happen. And so would Florida State maybe have two or three, maybe four more wins in Norvell's tenure had he not done that yes would the locker room be in as good of a place today as it is probably not so anyway right. yeah it's but yeah you'll probably have 20 new guys on you know between oh there'll the be a lot of attrition and the, yeah there will be 35 you, guys that are not that on the roster next year 100 percent, and that's a common thing I think back to um when Muschamp came to UF and um trying to think of who it was that got caught I want to say with with pot or, so, or, or something or whatever um and Muschamp told him like you can either you know be suspended for this or you can be gone or, or you know whatnot and and the player said Urban Meyer would never make a decision uh like this and Muschamp was like well not Urban Meyer's team you're gone buddy and um uh, Urban Meyer though his very first year at UF Marcus Thomas he was a D lineman who was a uh, you know I want to say he he eventually went first round, but he was an all SEC player, huge stud Florida's national championship season gets kicked off halfway through. Um, but it's the same concept, right? New coaches kind of have to clear some of the cancer out of the locker room. And, and, and I say that like, um, uh, you know, when I say the word cancer, that's probably uh, too strong of a word, but like, if you're not hundred percent bought in, this is not the place for you, especially when they're, you're trying to bring about change, right? Bring about culture change, bring about, uh, you know, attitude change, buy-in. You got to get rid of the guys that are not 
a hundred percent on your side. It was so, Janoris Jenkins, by the way. Janoris Jenkins is who must jump kicked off. Florida um, finishes with a couple of, uh, I think, I, I think, I mean, just the way the ESPN sees it, pretty tough one this weekend. Get Florida about a thirty-five percent chance to win. Um, give them about a sixty-five percent chance to beat South Carolina, and then even higher. It's up in like the eight, low eighties, maybe high seventies to be Vandy, uh, and then they've got them at about. Same thing, like 32, 33% to beat Florida. I have I have Florida going six and six to finish the year. Like I do think that they lose this weekend. I think they win the next two, and then I think they do fall to Florida State. The one thing I will say is that if Anthony Richardson goes off, he's a very hard player to just take down. He can do really, really spectacular things. Yeah. He'll be the difference in the Florida State game. Like if, if Florida yeah. State, if, if Florida wins that game. I think it's because Anthony Richardson just goes completely berserk and just, you know, does really, really special things. So to me, Florida's looking at seven and five, six and six. Is that where you have it? Seven and five, six and six. Like I mean, you're not thinking they go four and oh. No, I don't think they go four and oh. I think that three and one would be, you know, um, great. Great. Yeah. yeah. I think I that'd think be really good. I think that'd be good. Like that's not even, yeah. I think that'd be really I think good three and one would be great. I think it, I don't, I, Four and one would be obviously, or four and zero, oh, excuse me, would obviously be spectacular. I don't think it's likely. I think three and one is more reasonable. I think two and two is a possibility, um, but I'm interested to see how they come out of the locker room on Saturday because I know you disagree, but I do think that this is a team that that can and should beat Texas A&M. It does not mean that they do, but I think that they are capable of it. But I do think there's a scenario where if you lose and you just you've gotten in this uh, just rut of loss after loss, that there's a possibility you then lose to South Carolina, and then yeah, you're I looking think- at I think you beat Vandy either way. But then you're coming into a rivalry week against Florida State, who at that point will be a better team if Florida has lost to Texas A&M and then lost to South Carolina. So I do like you kind of see what you're made of when you stack these losses up on each other. Do are you still bought in? Are you still giving a hundred percent effort all the time? It's hard yeah. to convince a team to continue to fight when you are sitting where they're sitting. So uh, we can, I, I, I agree. Like in, in the overall, I don't think they're as good as a, like I do think A&M should beat them. I, you know, I, I, and I think they will, but you're right. Like, I think that, you know, it could either go really, really positively. You could beat A&M, and then beat South Carolina, and then beat Vandy, and then you're playing that Florida State game for a chance to get to eight wins. And win or lose there, I think you still feel pretty good about finishing three and one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you lose to AM, I actually think it's going to be easier for the Gators to get up for the AM game because you're on the road, 100,000 people. Like that's going to be an exciting. If you lose yeah. that one and you're sitting at what, at that point, four and four and five, well, what will the mm-hmm. record be? Four and six? Four. No, four, four and five. five. Four and five. Four and four, four now. Four yeah. Right now. You're sitting at four and five. You're coming back home to play South Carolina. Who knows what the crowd like? That's probably not yeah. a sellout. Right. Are you up for that game? Like, do you let that one loss turn into two? Because if you mm-hmm. lose to South Carolina, you're not making a bowl. Right. Like, I think we'd all say, like, ah, Florida State's probably going to win that game. I mean, rivalries are weird. Anything can happen. Sure. But then at that point, who knows? So, yeah. Um, all right, let's do this real quick, and then right. we we spent most of the time on Florida. It was more fun to talk about your misery than my uh, my team being or uh, finding a way to win. Florida State, I mean, there's not a lot to say. Florida State absolutely dominated Georgia Tech. 
mm-hmm. um, went about like I thought it would. Florida State started a little slower than I expected. Um, had a couple of first half, first quarter turnovers that screwed up, um, score, you know, potential scoring drives. Drove inside the thirty, dropped a ball on fourth and three, drove inside the one, fumbled a ball, uh, but then from there just absolutely dominated. Never looked back. And I thought Florida State would beat this team like they beat Boston College, um, and they did. Final score was forty-one to sixteen, so twenty-five points. Boston College scored on the um, final play of the game with the scrubs in. Otherwise, it would have been 41 to 10. Um, so hats off to Boston College for fighting hard until the very end. Oh, I'm sorry, Georgia Tech for fighting hard until the very end. Um, but yeah, I, I just, this is exactly how I thought it would go down. It did. Florida State looked good outside of the couple of turnovers early. Um, in fact, I believe Florida State scored on their last five drives of the game two in the first half and then three in the second half um, and did a pretty good job in this game. Big one against Miami this weekend. Who's took four overtimes to get to 14 points. Do you, uh, you think Florida state beats Miami? I know you've gone back and forth on this this year. Yeah, I have, but I think Florida state beats Miami. I think that today Florida state is a better team than Miami. I honestly think there's a chance it's not close. Um, I agree. I think we I think we went by 14. Yeah. Um, I honestly I think you might win by more. I could see it. Yeah. I, I don't think I just think Miami's terrible. So I do too. Um and Florida State can score and Florida State's trending in the right direction. So I mean I I honestly think that there's a great chance it's like 35-17, something like yeah. that. I could see it. If Van Dyke plays, I think it could be a little closer. Um, there's been some rumors that he may be back. If he doesn't, it will be a blowout. Like yeah. it will be 42 to 10 or, or something really bad. I, I think Norvell will run it up. He remembers 2020 when he wasn't able to go. Miami ran it up. I, I think he'll run it up. I think yeah. this would be one that you, you keep your foot on the gas on this one. Okay, picks real quick. Uh, I've also got um, my Florida State winning that one. But we both got Penn State covered against Ohio State, though the Buckeyes won. We both got West Virginia I'm sorry, we both got TCU over West Virginia. I got Notre Dame, you got Syracuse. I got UGA, you got UF. I got Florida State, you got Georgia Tech. Uh, I went 3-0 and through those. You did get both Louisville and, and – uh, no, no, I got that one right. Sorry, I almost gave you one, but I have to take it away. Sorry for that. Um, I took Missouri. You took South Carolina. Um, sorry that this – now I've got to deduct a, a point from you. And then we both took Ole Miss to beat AM. Uh, you went four and four on the week. I went seven and one. That's week so far. Um, so, wait, so you, what was your one? The one that I missed, you got Louisville. I, I Florida covered four. against Georgia. Now it was 22 and a half. Yeah. 22 and a half? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay. All yeah. right. Back that up. Okay. Back that up. Yes. All right. So, then we're, we're where we are. I went six and two. You went five and three. Uh, I'm forty two and twenty four. You're thirty six and thirty. You got to get you got to get with it a little bit. Okay. Liberty well, is a yeah. 30- you know now I need to go back and analyze all of the previous weeks of this because who knows how many of these you've just been sliding these in and I haven't double checked you and here Most we are. Liberty is a thirteen and a half point underdog to Arkansas. I'll take Liberty, but I don't feel good. I'll take Arkansas, even though I also don't feel good. Um. 
Florida State, seven and a half against Miami. I'll take Florida, Give me State. Florida State. Kentucky's a point and a half at Missouri. Um, I'll take Kentucky. Uh, I'll take Missouri just to keep it interesting. I have no feel there. I think Kentucky sucks, by the way. Uh, Texas A&M, I'll take Texas A&M. I'll take Florida. Um, three and a half, but just for what it's worth. Um, I'll take UGA, minus eight and a half. You can have Tennessee. I know you I'll want. take Tennessee. I do. I'll take LSU plus 13 and a half against Alabama. I I think Alabama wins, but I do think LSU is better than they're getting credit for. So give me LSU here. I, I honestly think LSU is too, but give me Alabama. I got Clemson catch up minus four at Notre Dame. I'll take Notre Dame here. I think Clemson wins, but I just mm, give me Notre Dame. That that line screams like trap. So all right, I'll take Clemson. All right, I'm late to another podcast, so all I'm right. ready to go. But exciting, excited for another week where my team wins and your team loses. So fingers crossed for that. Um, we'll talk to you guys next time. Shout out Brun Insurance. Go Noles. Go Gators.